Hi, this is Tommy Stewart, all the way from Northern Ireland, and you're listening to State of the Republic podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Republic podcast. My name is Luis, and today I'm joined by my two co-hosts here, Michael and Sharon. Let's first go to you, Sharon. How are you doing on this Sunday morning? Hey, everything is is great. We get a great interview today, so I'm looking forward to that. Looking, And it's good to see the two of you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And next, uh, let's go to Michael. I know it's... Uh, it's not easy having to record while uh, Liverpool and uh, Man United are playing. And also, I guess, for you too, Sharon, too. Uh, I didn't schedule this interview purposely for that intent, actually, i got to say. But I do need to actually start looking more at uh, who plays on the weekend and what times because this happened twice and it's crazy. They like to play right when we like to record on Sunday mornings. I don't get it. <laughs> How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing well. Maybe this will be good luck. If, if I'm not watching, Liverpool might put a few in the back of the net because the last four that I've watched, we, we can't we can't get out of our own way. But come on, you Reds. How are you doing, Luis? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, thanks. And actually, I feel the same way about Cruz Azul. Right now, so far, we've had a really bad season and uh, out of two games, no, no points, no goals scored. I feel like I, tomorrow I don't have to watch it probably. So we actually score a goal too. So uh, I know exactly what you're feeling. And speaking of that, we might potentially be recording tomorrow uh, uh, around the time that Crystal plays their game. So, you know, what? I, I feel the same thing for you. And don't worry, I'll, I'll go through the same thing tomorrow. <laughs> uh, well, before we get started and we introduce our guest today, wanted to remind you all, if you're not following us on social media, please give us a follow. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At State Republic 12 is simply what you search on those three. Our page will pop up. Please feel free to give us a follow right there. Also, we have a Facebook group, Sacramento Soccer Fans. Please send us a request to join that group. We'll welcome any fan, even if you're not in the Sacramento area. If you listen to our show and you'd like to speak to other soccer fans in the area and all throughout the world, then please feel free to join that group and send us there uh, a request as well. Also want to make a, a quick shout out to everyone who listened to the Josh Cohen interview episode. I'm so impressed at the fact that that episode hasn't even been up for a week as of, you know, we're recording this year and we've already reached the mark of like 230 listens and it seems like it's growing by the day. So thank you everyone. I know that episode was pretty big and, uh, Haifa um, and Israel and all the fans there uh, were sending us comments. I know Michael saw a lot of comments come through on Twitter. And yeah, we, we really appreciate everyone. And it, it's really amazing to see, you know, one of our favorite goalkeepers, like just becoming so popular in Israel. It's it's something else. Yeah, it, it was. It's I'm honored. Like that's that's wild to uh, connect with people so far out in Israel. That's that's wild. Never my wildest dreams could I have imagined that. Well, and I had a bunch of people hit me on Instagram because I reposted it. And the next thing I know, I had like 75 <laughs> people who saw my story. And it's like, then it went up to 100. And it's like, that's, that's like, that's not me. <laughs> that's, thank you, Josh. <laughs> so I'm hoping we have the same kind of success uh, with our guest today. Yeah. So without further ado, uh, I'll let you introduce our, our guest today, Sharon. All righty. Um, today, 
We are interviewing Thomas Stewart. We fondly know him as Tommy. Everybody calls him Tommy. Um, one of our most esteemed and most valued players from the 2014, 2015, and part of 2016 Republic season. Welcome to the podcast, Tommy. Thanks very much, Sharon. Thank you. How are you? And how are we? Um, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, thank, thank you for uh, joining us. I know the uh, the time difference here it makes it a little difficult, but we're making it work, and we're happy to have you. Uh, we we have listened to uh, your uh, your interview with Connor. Uh, great interview, by the way. We'll try not to be too repetitive. Come up with a little bit different questions. Um, but first off, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thanks. Um, it's Sunday here. It's a snowing here. It's really bizarre. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, I got out for a nice walk today, but I think that's kind of like been the go-to during the whole lockdown and, and up until now. It's kind of been getting out for runs and walks and keeping active, but I guess that's how everybody is. But I'm doing well. Thanks very much. Hey, so so listen here. You spent like quite a bit of time in Sacramento. And as we mentioned, you know, you just had such a big impact here. Your name is still known, even with some of our newer fans, if anybody wants to know the history of Sacramento Republic, they also know Thomas Stewart. Um, and, you know, you've come back a couple times and you've intentionally remained in touch um, with Sacramento and your friends here. So, and you also returned for the, I think the five year anniversary. And that was a lot of fun. Um, what is the draw with Sacramento? Just, you know. It's it's hard to describe. I think I think people just get it whenever they hear me talking about Sacramento. It's it's home away from home. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Um, you and I know from day one uh, what it was like, kind of like the unknown, so so unknown. But then I had probably months of trying to figure out whether or not to join Sacramento, whether or not to go to America and try and pursue soccer there because I was doing really well here, and it just felt like. It was such a big challenge and one that I didn't want to let go. And then whenever you see something develop and evolve and, and winning something alongside having the on-field success, but not just that, it's off-the-field uh, success as well in terms of like, and I don't mean success as in picking a trophy up, I mean success as in turning up and going, hey, I'm still friends with Sharon, I'm still friends with you, I'm still connected with you guys. There's still so much more, there's so much more than soccer that goes on. And that's what I love really deeply about um, my career it's taken me to different places and I've made different friendships and evolved as a person but Sacramento I think was the one that really um, propelled me in terms of like off the field stuff and really getting grips to knowing who I was what I could do to help people um, alongside contributing to um, playing a beautiful game and um, winning that and winning off the field is it's incredible and uh, I would love to see more teams emulate Sacramento's kind of blueprint. But in saying that, it's hard to emulate because the fan base in the community, it's so special. <laughs> Interesting you would say that because with like 40 million plus people who live in California, did Sacramento kind of feel like a small town, you know, even though it's in this super populated state? Number one, there's so many people don't even know it's, it's the capital city. For, for me, that was a big draw because um, it's kind of like, a the sleeping city compared to the other ones you know that's kind of like how people i think perceive it and there's so much more going on there's so much more beauty to it uh, i got to witness that i got that feel from the people and um 
it wasn't daunting at all in any way going there. It was just kind of like I embraced it, but people embraced me, which was amazing. And um, there's just real strong affiliation and connection ever since. So we'll, we'll take a, a quick break from uh, Sacramento here just to ask you, uh, aside from Sacramento, what, what is another country or city that you would say that draws you back? Um, probably, uh, well, everywhere in the, ma- in, in the mainland UK is very similar. Um, obviously, Dublin's a beautiful place, um, and uh, that would be one place I, I loved. I love my time at Shamrock Rovers, very successful there. Um, home's home, home's great, but... Um, I've always embraced other challenges and, and certainly Sacramento has been home away from home. I love Hawaii. It's a place that I got to like um, spend a lot of time there in um, off season doing some coaching and they have a strong bond there too. So Sacramento, Hawaii and probably Dublin would be my main, main three. All solid answers. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Hawaii. No. <laughs> now uh we'll we'll just hit a quick little history lesson here give people a, an idea of your background things of that nature uh a lot of people aren't aware of the uh the differences between uh ireland northern ireland uh the whole protestant catholic unionist nationalist thing can you just talk a little bit about the differences you don't have to go to history 101 on it but just a, a quick little differences between the the two sides yeah, and it's, it's something that I think it's good to talk about because it's like anything. Once you talk about something and, and people have this like foggy perception of what it is or may or not be, and then all of a sudden you travel somewhere and you go like, what was all the hype about? You know, what was that about? You know, and um, I heard actually, strangely enough, Dana White talking about the USA, totally off topic, but it was like Abu Dhabi. People have this perception of this like kind of crazy place, but it's beautiful. And I think that's um, how I would describe Ireland as well. It's like people have this perception maybe in the north and south not getting on. Yeah, that was all in the past. Um, more and more people, I mean, Ireland, uh, the rugby team from the north and the south come together and play as one. So that's very unique as well. And you fans from all over. Um, certainly the Protestant Catholic thing, the sectarian thing, that was something going up. You brought into a culture and uh, or, uh, or a city you grew up, you may not have a choice, you know. So um, the great thing that I would try and always bring out and try and say about, um, especially sport, um is you're always competing on the same team with teammates that are from unique backgrounds, different families, different countries. Um, I know when I went to Sacramento, there was maybe 12 or 14 different nationalities. We had the amount of flags behind the nets. So you're all fighting for the same place. So I don't understand. For me, I've never been brought up, and I'm so glad that I've always had a family that's never, ever made me think any differently towards anybody else in the world. I've never looked at myself as this strong Protestant guy or whatever. It's just one of those things that um, I treat everybody with the same respect and hopefully I get respected too. And thankfully sport has that um, resolve to break down those barriers and speak and, and be a be a good teammate and be a good friend. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So there was one other part of that question of, and, and, and you answered it. It's like, it really doesn't matter that you are from Northern Ireland, Ireland, and that that is your identity. You know, we, we thought that that would be interesting to find out, you know, how important is that to you, but you just, you just kind of spelled it out. It, it sounds like it's really not that important since, you know, country of origin and history is starting to fade a little bit. Yeah, it's important to it's important to like stay grounded and stay true to your roots, and I think that's that's more important. I think it's big. Be humble. Be like you know, different environments. You come from different places, and um, some people are too proud, or you know, the the prideful and the egotistical, or whatever. And you know that it's humility is a big thing, and especially in sport when you're given a, such a big opportunity. Like I, you know, 
um, I was given a great opportunity that many people would never get the chance to go and play in the capital of California. That's unique in itself, and, and not many. There's nobody from Northern Ireland's done it. So for me, I'm blessed to have done that. I'm able to like speak about it. I'm able to like maybe open that door for people to go. Actually, yeah, I'd love to go and try and live in America. I'd love to go and try and play soccer out there, and vice versa. Maybe an American wants to play in Ireland, but certainly the North and the South nowadays, you know, it, there's nothing nowhere near any anything you know people want to get on i think that's the way of the world these days people actually do want to get along um and i'm all for people uniting and, and embracing and, and trying to go one direction tommy stewart for president <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad to see you've got one now it's good it's it's nice to know you've got one <laughs> yeah that, that is that is definitely really uh true yeah and, and it gives us better hope for for this year um yeah. So going back to uh, uh, Ireland and, and your time with the national team, we know you played with some of the youth uh, levels there, uh, even uh, actually also were captain of some of the squads as well. Can you tell us what that experience was like and maybe some me- a memorable match or two that, that you got to play? Yeah, definitely. It's always an honor representing your country. And I think that's that maybe touches back on what Sharon had said, you know, about is what's it like being or being representing your country or whatever. And it's like, that's probably the only thing that I can say that would really reflect on where I'm from is like you maybe wanted to play in sport at a national level or like maybe someone else in a different career wants to like represent their national level or whatever it may be. Um, certainly I wanted to do that as a kid and um, I got that opportunity to do. I got the captain um, uh, scored a goal against the, the championship finals came to Northern Ireland. And I think it was under 19 level and we played Germany and they had a great team, but um, I scored a goal against um, Manuel Neuer. So I did. So it was great just to to do that. Um, at the time, obviously, he went on to have an unbelievable career. Uh, playing against players that are star-studded, um, world-class players at that age, you know, and, and coming from a small country that doesn't have a pool, a big, massive pool of players or, or the, the facilities or the know-how maybe to get to the next level. So um, I've had some real pivotal moments and I've, I'm delighted to have represented uh, my country at that level. Of course, I, I would love to play at the, the highest level with them, but it was the move that went to Sacramento that probably went against me playing for the national team, but there's not a way in the world I would change that. Yeah, I've, I'd say you've had some pretty pivotal moments given uh, coming from a relatively small country. I score against Noir, Noir, and then, I mean, you've played against Juve. You've, you've, you've done quite a bit within your, uh, your career, my friend. Um, I would like to hear your your opinion on this. I, I don't. I can't think of anybody better to ask. I don't think goalkeepers get nearly the same the the credit they deserve. George Best, he he definitely gets the publicity, certainly. But I think you could make a case for another player. Who's who's the best from Northern Ireland? George Best or Pat Jennings? It is it is a tough one. Uh, I don't think we always saw the. I have to say George Best, you know, because it's I was an, an outfield player. Um, great on the eye. I think he was the one that. You always need that um, showman to really like bring a sport forward as well. Sometimes you know, and just to lighten things up. And um, I think that's what he did, you know. And especially from Northern Ireland, he was the one that kind of like gave that image of you know, wow, you're a superstar, you know. And and yes, he did some wrong things. Yes, he was the the guy that went out and probably ruined his career with the drink and and the and the partying and stuff like that, but. Um, again, I don't really think back in those days you had the same advice as you would have now. I think he would have, in this day and age, 
been advised so much differently. Um, Pat Jennings, tremendous, tremendous, tremendous uh, keeper. I got to play with his son, uh, one of his clubs as well, who's a great guy as well. And um, yeah, it's uh, great to see players like that that have had elite level um, careers as well for a, a long time as well. Um, I would have loved to have seen George Best play a lot longer than he did. I think he retired when he was 27, which is very young. Can you tell us a little bit more about the uh, level of play with the leagues where you live at and, and leagues where you played at? I know you, you did uh, a couple of years there uh, with the Wolves Youth Academy team and you've also played in Scotland. And so can you tell us a little bit more about how they stack up against each other and maybe some differences that you noticed uh, with each league? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, when I started off as a kid playing in a local football, local teams, you don't really have a, a gauge as in, where someone is at England or Scotland, perhaps, you know, you've like local schools, you've local counties, and that's then when you kind of um, <clears throat> get noticed for the national stage then at the youth level, and then they, they get the kind of like better players that kind of pull them or tear them. And then some of the better players then would maybe get scouted from the likes of England or Scotland or maybe further afield. And that's kind of how it worked for me. Um, when I went across England, um, at Wolverhampton Wanderers. I was part of the youth system for a year and then two years with the professional team. So great to be a part of the first team. I'd have loved to have played for the first team. I only got a few preseason games that I managed to score in. But um, I had no background of anybody in my family playing professional football or anybody to kind of like maybe look up to or have that advice. And uh, I kind of just went in expecting to be on this conveyor belt and just to like get picked off and be here you go you know so it, it's it's weird but certainly I had fantastic experience I've learned so much and that's the best thing I can say is um when you're in those types of environments it's ruthless and you just have to like try and learn to swim as quick as you can take advice as well because you know football is a short career and hopefully for me one day you know I'll get the chance to manage and um I'll be able to take some of those um you know, learn from the positives, learn so much more from the negatives and, and kind of just try and emulate those and, you know, showcase those for the next generation or however I, I coach in the future. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely good advice. And, and definitely, I think when you don't have someone to look up to or someone who play professionally, it could be a little challenging, right? As with anything in life, right? If you don't have someone to look up to for, for a career, you you definitely have to uh, stumble across a, a thing or two but you know for hopefully further on the future future generations can follow in uh, your footsteps and now they, they got you to look up to which is uh really great so changing gears uh, let's let's cross the pond Matt, back to the, the states uh can you tell us a little bit more about what what made coming to the usa so attractive to you versus you know staying local and like you said may potentially making the senior national team had you stayed local what what called you to to come to the states? Um, I, I felt the new challenge was necessary for me. I felt like um, I'd achieved everything in North and South of Ireland. I had a I'd won all the trophies going, and I just felt it's time to branch out, challenge myself. Um, I didn't know if the national team was. I might not have if it even if it stayed. You know, I might not have um, been selected, but I felt I had more of an opportunity probably there. But at the same time, um. I just had such a draw to try and do something different and then get so heavily involved within a community and help kind of raise the profile of a club uh, and just see where it goes. You know, it's it was something new that I thought, I'll never get this opportunity. I don't know what players, you know, get that opportunity to play. Yes, there may be new teams coming along, 
but they don't have a fan base of the size of Sacramento. You know, it's unique, and anybody that gets that chance is that's a golden ticket right there. So the coming to Sacramento was a big unknown, right? Uh, unless somebody paved the way and told you how things were going to be. You know, so did you know that there would be so many other international players, especially some from your region, like Jack Lane, remember him? Chad Bond, who became your roommate. I don't know yeah. if you knew knew him yeah. prior. I mean, no. did you I mean, did you even know that 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 was what was gonna be when you got here? Cause that's I mean, we did have I mean Jake Gleason, you know, we had Harrison Delbridge, we had so many internationals on our on our team and so, and then I have a couple other questions. Yeah, no, I had no idea. And that's, that, I think that's the great thing about football and why it's so unique. And you can touch on anything you can talk about in here with football because you're trying to bring all these people together to gel and you can quickly see it works. So, like, that should work off the field too, you know. So, why it takes a sport to do it sometimes is a uh, mind boggling, but like, it's brilliant that it happens in sport. And no, I had no idea. Um, I was delighted to like learn about other people's background or create new friendships or, you know, especially um, because we're all fighting together. We're all looking to win. We're all looking to compete. And it's, you're there with them day in, day out. You know, you've no choice but to like get to know them and you should. And, uh, you know, bus journeys, flights, um, training, roommates um, to restaurants, whatever it may be, you know, you're spending so much time with these guys and you've a whole season with them. Um, So it's important to try and get the best out of each other. Um, Certainly, working with 14, 15 different nationalities. It's amazing and it's unique, but it's something that can only like develop you as a person as well and make you more aware of um, your own self as well to be a better person. So so we brought in um, one of the f- really famous jokesters. Well, in only you guys knew. I mean, there's a couple of them. Derek Foran in uh, 2015, we brought him in. And then, you know, with, with both Graham and, and Simon Shepard, you had sort of like somebody at least to help you feel that hometown feeling again and to talk stuff over. How important was it though, to have folks from the UK around you so that you could kind of, if you wanted to talk about baked beans, I mean, they would get it. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's, it's always refreshing. It's always nice to have some, somebody that kind of like understands your something. It's just the same as anything. If, if you went on holidays, you know, and you bump into someone from your kind of, area from back home or something that's always like an interesting conversation or you know it's just like a a nice moment but to have someone on the team and and spending uh, so much time with you as well and you just understand each other you understand each other's culture humor whatever it may be different little things like that so um yeah it's great to have um just and just so many people aren't to, to get that opportunity to move from Ireland and Northern Ireland or wherever it is or the UK across so far it's unique um so uh, yeah, everybody took it with both hands, and uh, yeah, I was, I was glad to speak to them. But it was it was great to have teammates from Australia, New Zealand, you know, uh, Gabe Gizzy, and uh, I think it was Lib- uh, Libya. Um, so yeah, fantastic. And you know, I'm going to go there when you talk about humor. I'm going to yeah. go there. <laughs> we go had a it. we had a team admin at the time where um, there was like an awful lot of raucous laughter, either at his expense or due to him. Tell us a little bit about how actually kind of fun, crazy those times were based on that. Fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, um, I love humor. I love it's, I think sometimes you just need to burst the bubble to break the ice, whatever it may be, because some people get a wee bit uptight and people need to relax playing sport as well. People need to like kind of 
yes, the focus, but they need to have this, you know, go to to just know they can like speak or have a laugh or whatever. So I love guys like that. Um, and certainly it's important to have like a downside to, to football as well because it's great to take it serious but you also need to come away from that and just know you can just let your hair down as well and um you know i'm all for people that are are, are fun but serious when it needs to be as well yeah you, you definitely always need that uh comedic relief anywhere right with with any career or whatever like you you need to enjoy yourself and and have a good laugh and definitely th there's some players that we've talked to here that we're on your squads uh We're a bit of pranksters and <laughs> luckily not nowhere near as far as uh, others from other teams that we've heard of. So yeah. that's, you definitely don't want to push it too much like they did. Uh, hey, I have to, I have to say one thing though. Tommy was very proper. I mean, Tommy, and you still are, you didn't give us a ton of juice there, dude, but you know, you're very, very proper, but anyhow, I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. There's no you can't share, but there's definitely, um, I think I think everything was well balanced under the management, and it was kind of like you know when to cross. You, you don't cross the line, but you know when's the the, the stopping point, when the cut off. And um, we had some great lads as well that were very humorous as well. And um, it's important. It's just so important to have that a uh, charisma around the team as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, really good to to have that. So I'm going to switch gears from uh, people who are really funny to people who were really serious and some even more than others. Uh, let's talk about two coaches that you had in Sacramento, uh, Perky and uh, Buckle. You know, you, you had to make the transition between having both coaches and sometimes I believe it just happened suddenly uh, that, you know, we had Perky leave. Can you share a little bit about like each other's styles and how you adapted to, to what each one asked for you? Yeah, Um Basically, when we came in, um, Preki kind of led, led, led it on the table. Four four two, hard working team. Press. We're only going to train an hour and a half. Put it in, and then go home and rest. You know, put the effort in, and we'll get the results. Um, and that was it. It was an hour and a half every single day. There was no more, no less. And it was just you knew what where you stood. Train, train hard, train well, um, and you're going to play more times than not. And a uh, Hopefully we'll get success along the way. Um, I think he kind of based it off the fact of like, guys, this simplified football as well. And there are times where you probably need different strategies, different players for different games. But we just went with the 4-4-2 and tried to press high, press hard, win the ball back in a good position and, and then try and um, dominate possession and, and try and create as many chances. But I certainly believe we had a team that was very hardworking um, and We set the stall out straight away to what we wanted to do in every game, but even more so when we, we trained that way as well. So it was just a, a, a domino effect, you know, come Friday night, it was just it was just the norm for us. Um, and we had great success with it as well. Uh, and it's, it's tough to do because, like, especially with the heat in Sacramento as well, and then you go on transition. That, that's one thing I, I found as well. It took a little while to adjust from the heat to go into playing altitude maybe in Colorado. You can't do the same press, maybe the prep you wanted. So there were games when we maybe just needed to rein it in a wee bit and change the formation slightly. But again, it, it worked and it worked well for us. So um, I have no, no criticism there. Uh, Uh, Paul, whenever he came in, um, I think he tried to change it a little bit more tactically, maybe try and play it a little bit more from the back, which was good too. And especially, again, it should be able to work, especially in Sacramento, on a hot climate as well. If you're keeping the ball for longer periods, 
you're draining the energy from the opposition as well. So it's a good thing to do, and I, I'm all for that. But over the years, I've learned that success isn't, there's no one way to win a game of football, and you need to be balanced with both. So um, both have their qualities. Um, and obviously, a Preki with him, we won the, the league. I know Paul went on to win the Western Coast Championship as well, or the league. Um, but certainly, yeah, two good guys. Um, I have a lot of time for, for, all my coaches. So was the transition easy for you between the two of them? I'm, you know, because, you know, there's such a a variety, the two different styles, the transition, was that caught for you? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very versatile player, but I think, um, yeah, I, we, we, I was a spearhead striker and then we played like as a three. Um, but it's one of those things over time, you kind of, a I've learned so much off my other teams as well that changing it wasn't a hard thing, but it was more we, we wanted to create more chances as a team. I don't think we maybe created as much in, in that year, but again, we lost some of the flair and creativity out of our team. So that was a little bit of a transition whenever Paul came in, but certainly um, it's good to have players that are versatile. It's good to have players that understand, but it's never easy whenever a coach leaves and people just expect this train just to keep running. It just doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Interesting. You know, Paul Buckle was, um, you know, he is married to one of the more famous presenters in soccer. Um, did you, were you aware of Rebecca Lowe um, in the UK when she was with Sky Sports? Were you aware of that connection? Were you aware of their partnership? I, I didn't, I didn't know um, until Paul came over to, to America, but um, yeah, they're, they're a great couple. She's done fantastically well as well. She's um, a great host, and uh, you can see why she's done so well. And um, it's very entertaining when you watch those shows as well. And they obviously then follow the football and background, and um, obviously mixes in really well with that as well. So what's interesting is, you know, when you talked about the transition from Preki to Paul, you have to wonder, you know, how much did Rebecca get an opportunity to help analyze? some of the situations because they were off uh, the English premier league is on, you know, summer break yeah. when Paul came here. So you, you, one has to wonder, you know, was there any assistance from the back room, so to speak, in doing some of the analysis, you know, so, and, and when you first met her, how, how did that go? Yeah. I mean, it probably, probably is. Um, even if it was just for practice or whatever, you know, and it's always good. Like even if you're, it's always good to analyze different games or like just watch them because you, you, you'll, learn, you'll always learn one thing or like you'll see something that'll maybe help you. Or if you maybe watch something and you hear another analyst and you be like, oh, that, that was a good way to describe it. You know what? Maybe I'll incorporate that into something I do later on down the line. But um, yeah, she was lovely and very friendly. Um, yeah, lovely family. And uh, again, you know, she's, she's very successful and doing great. Cool. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and stay here on the subject of uh, Sacramento. Uh, I, I'm really curious, uh, being that you know the Republic, it was their first season. You had you know a basic idea of maybe what what they wanted to do with the team because there's no history to this club, and it's like the very first time you're probably joining a club that has zero history. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how the move to Sacramento happened and? You know what? What was going through your mind when you knew this was going to be a brand new team and you'd be in in the history books essentially as being a part of the first squad? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even look at it like that in terms of history books. But uh, 
now it's great because people talk about it and um you know there's so much more weight to it being you know one of the first people to have done it and won something and they've done well you know not this individually but as a team and um but more just the fact of like of being able to like be a part of a, a franchise it's impacted a lot of people off the field and that gives me so much more joy as well because that's that's longer lasting you know it, it's opened up a pathway for boys and girls to to play soccer to um have a a, a you know a fan base to, for people to watch you know a role model whatever it may be certainly for me um whenever i got involved with the community as well i i, I don't know i just i just got to see what it meant to people it's, i can only go down the road of saying uc davis you know for example um me it was every thursday i would have gone down to the the burn victim unit and it was just an eye-opener and it just you know uh, stabled you every time you know it just kept kept you kind of neutral and you would have gone in and people maybe that couldn't speak to you or they were like you know broken english or just you know weren't able to and you know eyes never lie and, and they looked up to you as people you know they looked up to you as uh, you know soccer players and that's why there was so much more of a spark or a fire in the belly to do well. You know, you're doing well for them. And, and then you go back and talk to them the following week and, and you can see that it, in their eyes, you know, the, the, you know, there's a fire in them too, you know, that you've done something so well because our, t- our games were televised. It was on YouTube. People have access to it. Thousands of people watch it whenever they weren't able to attend the, the ground. So that gave me so much more joy. And, uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people that – you were able to impact in such a big way and a unique way. And that's why I'm also very grateful for the way Sacramento handled things outside of the field. You know, it wasn't just about, you know, oh, we're the soccer team, you know, you know, let's look up to someone that maybe doesn't care for you, but they actually do care, you know, when we as players do, and I certainly did and do. Um, that was amazing because I never felt I was going to get into something like that when I moved to Sacramento. I didn't know what way Sacramento was going to run as a club, perhaps. Uh, that was one thing I loved um, whenever I was doing the conversations before with uh, Graham Preckey, et cetera. Um, it was just football. It was kind of like, just let's talk about football. Where is it going? Where do they see the club going? Is it going to grow? Is there going to be continuity? Um, and it was yes, yes, yes. All text to those. Um, again, it was a big uh, jump going to a team that had never kicked the ball. So that was definitely uh, a question I had for myself and for them and I was a uh, was one I was just prepared to go and make it work at any means necessary um so I had those call, calls I was uh, I think I said on, before I was on a beach whenever I got the first call in Tenerife I'd just come off finishing with sack or shamrock overs and um, it was an interesting call and it developed from then um and yeah the rest is kind of history well that, that's awesome I mean it, it's good the you, know, you landed in a really good club and, and a lot of things happened that first season and, and it's it's awesome how each season the the mentality to to be out there in the community never changes. And you know, we hear players from your generation, from new generations that just arrive and immediately they can tell, you know, how uh, immersed in the community we are. So that's that's something really awesome. So Tell us a little bit more, you know, when you uh, land in Sacramento, you were one of the more experienced players. There were a lot of players that had p- played in uh, more semi-pro leagues. And as they were building the team, they tried to build it around some experienced players. Did you find yourself uh, at a level above some of those players? Or, or did you feel like you were mostly equal to them as well? I never, I never look at it like that because 
number one, you've got to go and earn that respect from your teammates, from your managers, from the fans. You know, if someone sees you working hard, you know, they will value you. Um, work hard first and foremost. You'll get the respect. Um, discipline, you know, go out, get there early, be punctual, tidy up the cones, the balls, the bibs, you know, simple things like that there are very, very valuable as a team. And like it quickly gets people going, you know, why is he doing that? Or, you know, what, you know, what's that for? It's just to become a better person and a better teammate. Um, I don't look at myself above anybody or less than anybody. I look at everybody the same. And um, <clears throat> I think it's down to the manager to pick a team. There was probably games during my career that, I maybe should have played in more games or played in less games. It, it's, it's just a manager's decision. You can never you can never tell or you might have trained well and then all of a sudden the manager will change formation. So you just got to be ready um, and be a good teammate. There's no point in sulking if you're not playing. Um, but if you do get that opportunity to to represent your, your with a shirt on, you know, if you got the starting jersey, take your opportunity because there's someone else waiting to, to come in and um, – and certainly that's that's kind of like the way I always tried to be. I just try to be a good team player. And I think if you put a selfless kind of version of yourself, then everyone else kind of like, um, you know, does well and does better for it. And, and certainly I think that's how I've been throughout my career. And certainly in Sacramento, that was the kind of style of player, you know, I think I showed because that's always kind of who I've been. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's one of those things that they, you know, anytime I got a chance to, to play, I was always keen to, to do well, but I never saw myself above anybody. So that's interesting, Tommy. That is the mentality that I thought of. I mean, those are the, those, I saw you then. I was, you know, part of the administration and what you just said about yourself, you know, about helping out, lending a hand and never being above anything. And then kind of coaching some of the younger guys to help out mm-hmm. and do those sorts of th- same things. You really did set a good example. And I just wanted to to let you know how much that meant to me to watch that your behavior and it was it was just really spectacular no i appreciate that i think it's not um again you know a lot of players don't get these opportunities to play for quality clubs that that give back the community and um it just made you want to be a part of it you know that's probably the best i can say you know i couldn't wait to go down and see the whoever it was in, in the uc davis you know the next week um, especially after a good results, you know, because you knew they cared so much as well. And um, whatever it may be, it could have been De Beers, you know, or um, Zuccolos or wherever it may be. But uh, I just had a, a great time and a great rapport with the fans. And and certainly um, it was a short career, so I don't, I don't know why people get, I don't know how people get so above themselves. But if you certainly get yourself in the community, you'll humble yourself as well. And um, I'm so grateful for that, those opportunities as well. Now, Tommy, Everybody goes in trying to compete, trying to win. That's, that's, that's sport. You were coming to an expansion side. Expansion teams aren't supposed to win championships in the first season. Uh, Sacramento Republic kind of broke the, uh, the, the barrier on that one. That's, that's wild. How quickly did you realize that this, this team could do something like that, that this team could go the, whole, go the distance? Yeah, well, I, thankfully, I've had a bit of a winning career and the winning mentality, I suppose, but it never guarantees you complete success. You know, you need your teammates. You're only as good as the people around you as well. So uh, certainly for me, um, it wasn't an immediate thing. I said I wanted to win something during my time in Sacramento, and I truly, truly meant it from day one. Did I know it was going to be year one or year two? You're probably looking at building a team to create more success 
in year two. That's kind of how sports operate. It's kind of like, you know, you have to have a platform, you need the culture, you need the players, you need just everything. Um, you know, experience, you need to like be there, you need to have like experienced a final maybe or a loss in a final to come back stronger. Whereas we were doing the opposite of what is kind of the norm. And uh, it's it was just great because the start, we played Harrisburg Islanders and uh, that's who it ends up beating in the final. But we had 20,000 fans plus at the first um, game. And then during the season, you're getting a lot of fans as well. And then you slowly build momentum. But once you probably played five or six teams and then you watch other teams on the video analysis, you kind of, not that you fear anybody, but you kind of like are trying to suss them out and trying to see, okay, well, if we do well in our Western Conference here, um, although in the first year we were kind of playing everywhere, um, you know, we, we didn't fear anybody, but it's not a given because usually, again, American sports, it's usually the experienced teams, once they get to the playoffs, kind of make that final push, whether you're in fourth or fifth place. You know, that's just kind of how it works. And I think it was just great that we stayed in with the running and that was kind of probably our aim too, was just to make sure we're in the hunt and then let's just make a push if possible. And I think we went way beyond that. that that's one way to put it. Well, well above and beyond. Now, uh, Preki, he's, he's got a bit of a legend status here in, in the States. Um, can you give us maybe a, perhaps a favorite story of you and Preki or just Preki in general? Was it maybe like a preseason training at the beach, a road trip, something maybe in the locker rooms? I don't know. Hey, I don't really have too many stories. He would, he's one of those guys that would have gone in, done his thing, and then gone, you know. He's like gone into the team talk, gone, you know. He was very just regimental or just very structured in terms of like, and you know, just kind of like, guess get it done. Don't need to overthink things, overdo things, you know. Black and white, you're here to play football. Let's just do it, you know. And, and that's that's how he was. Um, you know, we got on totally fine. You know, there was a, a respect between the two of us. Um, unfortunately, I had a little bit of an injury that probably put me out of his thoughts for a little bit of time. But, you know, you look back and you have those discussions and it's just one of those things that that's part and part of football or soccer. It's just one of those things that, you know, as a manager, I'll probably have those decisions to face, you know, at some point. And it's not trying to let somebody down. It's trying just to get the good of the team and the consistency. But I do believe, you know, there was a wee period where, you know, it went against me there. Well, let's lighten up a little bit, Tommy. I'm going to ask you a few little rapid fire questions that are going to, it's not so much about the team, but it's just about the experience. Okay. So finish the following sentences. Your favorite restaurant in Sacramento was? Makuni. <laughs> you know, I kind of almost thought that would be it. <laughs> um, when I needed a good belly laugh, I hung out with? Derek Form. <laughs> I would have picked that. You already know my answers, probably. <laughs> I should have filled these answers in myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I was craving a good beer, I called blank and I went to blank. A, I, I probably shouldn't name anybody. Chad Bond. <laughs> <laughs> and and Chad, where, no, it, it was just one of those things. No, the good, the good thing, just to elaborate on that, was... Um, you know, because you'd have played away games and maybe got a win, especially under Paul. Paul was very, very relaxed about that. Listen, guys, train hard, play well. Have a, enjoy a little beer on the way because you're flying, you're in the red-eye flights. So it was always nice to have that kind of like camaraderie with players as well, especially when you win a game, but not 
you know, going overboard, but just having a drink and then going to bed. And, and that was nice as well. And then you just felt like, you know, you're, you're valued, you're appreciated, and you're, like, just relaxed. So that was good. But the where, you got to answer that one. Like, where when you went? Oh, De Beers. Oh, De Beers. Okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Very good. Um, of all the front office staff, blank was my favorite. And don't uh, say Brent Sasaki because of his kids, Leo and Piper, but if you do, that's all right. I was going to say you there, Sharon, but if you don't want me to say you, then I'll, I'll go to somebody else. <laughs> you no, go I, to somebody else. I'm, I'm a safe bet. I'm I'm a safe bet as far oh, as you know. I've known you from day one. You know, you, you've, you've looked after me as, as good as possible, same way as you did with everybody else. I made sure, you know, it was one of those things that whenever we moved in the apartments, it was Sharon, you know, who was there and, um, you know, Credit, credit to you and the way you've still done it uh, throughout the years and been a massive fan. So um, you've been selfless as well and, and looked after everybody and, and cared, you know, and that's that's one thing I, I say, you know, um, to have a, a club that cares for the players and, and the community, that's 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 an ingredient to success itself, you know, and, um, <clears throat> you know, everybody in, in the front office, I have an amazing rapport with, um, so I wouldn't want to single anybody else out. Um, I love walking through those doors um, on K Street J Street, K Street. I'm still terrible with the names in America, but um, down at the front office anyway, it was great walking through the doors and, and feeling welcomed, getting a little chat with um, whoever was on the door, you know, just to, to go into the back office. And people always just cared, you know, great. Yeah, that was great. You know, there were a few times where you were there when staff were having like a function. And I remember specifically, you got yourself involved in a photo because you just happened to be there you know, when everybody, do you, do you remember that one photo? I think it was yeah. when Joe was talking about the Dorothy, I don't know, where they, they were kind of, it may have even been Joe's birthday, who knows. But um, yeah. Yeah, great times. Yeah, great times. So uh, last of the uh, rapid fire questions, <laughs> and this is, this is going to tease out something that you did enjoy very much when you were here. I played golf mostly with blank and liked blank course. Um, uh, with a teammate, you mean? Played with a teammate? It would probably would have been Chad. Chad was a really good golfer. Um, but there was any any time I played because of the heat, I was always like, I just want to play like a quick nine hole if I do. Land Park, I really really enjoyed Land Park because it's it's one of those things that it's a nice little walkway. But like the way I play golf, I could have hit like a pedestrian or a car going past me, you know, so, um, but I really enjoyed that course, and it's, it was just like, it was very close to where I, where we live, you know, so, um, but it was good, great fun, um, but there are plenty of golf courses there, and uh, yeah, you're, you're not sort of good golf course there for sure. Thank you for answering that, and I, th I think you had a million pairs of golf shoes. I think you were a shoe fanatic. I remember, a lot yeah, of shoes. Yeah, I didn't even wear them, but I was just a shoe fanatic. Yeah, um, but no, I, I, I it was. I got a couple of presents, a couple of golf shoes, and I think people just wanted me to get into golf or try and get better at golf. I think they felt sorry for me whenever they saw my ball over in the in the sand bunker or something. So <laughs> anything to make me feel better. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you you could have gone foreign golf too, right? Where, where they say, uh, you know, once an athlete, always an athlete. And there's athletes that you know could do multiple sports. So. You know, I think uh, you may have had some luck there if you would have uh, tried, which never too late, right? It's always, uh, there's always time to, to try it out more. <laughs> That's what they say anyway. I'll keep believing. <laughs> so uh, just to close out this interview, uh, you know, I, I 
can't go without mentioning a group that I'm a part of. I, I wasn't a part of them, sadly, in 2014 or 2015. But, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about Tower Bridge Battalion. I, I think they, they are always a, a key factor in the team bringing a different atmosphere to games. And it's almost that 12th man advantage because always so loud and, you know, always chanting throughout the 90 plus minutes and, and whatnot, you know. Michael and I sit on that section, and so um, I thought I would ask you: Did did you expect Sacramento to bring it the way they did? To have such a like incredible supporters group that just grew by the numbers, grew by the game, and what did that do to your experience here in Sacramento? Um, not not suitably. Did I believe there was going to be that big of a fan base? If I'm honest, and uh, it's something you dream of because you want to play in front of fans. You want to. Every player, when they play sport, want to showcase their abilities. Um, you know, I'm no different. But also, you want the fans to enjoy you as much as a person, which also happened because, you know, there was a nice camaraderie between the two. You would have signed autographs after taking photos, you know, got fully immersed, got to know people, especially members of the Tarbridge Battalion. But for me, there was a unique experience um, because, obviously, that's there were so many people from day one and then it just grew and grew and grew but then for for me whenever i had a song sung about me or whenever i had a big flag banner you know it just was incredible and then i had obviously my flag flying behind the net and um then people with my name on the back of the shirt it was just um great feeling and um it's certainly one i love playing a for Sacramento and um i love playing for the fans as well and trying to give them as much joy and encouragement because you know they you want to see a team do well. We weren't guaranteed a success the same as anybody, but like to have that big a fan base, it's only um, it's only fair that everybody does as well as they can to try and bring success. And uh, yeah, the fans deserved it because they were the twelfth man for us on every occasion. And I was delighted that we had the final in Sacramento for the fans to enjoy that too, because it's been such an incredible year and. Obviously, we kind of downgraded stadiums from Hughes Stadium because with so many fans to go from that, and it was just like, oh no, we're maybe missing out on fans, you know. So, uh, so happy that you know as many fans got to to be with us during the season, and um, that that it was just such a special season as well. Because again, it's something that's unheard of, and I don't know that many fans that are passionate you know, really about their community as well and being at the capital of Sacramento. There's so many um, positive things I could say. Um, and every time I come back, I feel really welcome. You, you know, the, now that you bring up that downgrade, I'm surprised that the final wasn't uh, brought back to the yes. other stadium, right? You would think that that would have made for a different environment and, you know, just to go back to that first stadium you guys played at. And uh, I don't know if you were... Sharon might have a little more info as to why that wasn't decided, but I think they they probably should have. I mean, that 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 would have been something else. Yeah, it would be nice to have that many fans in, but at the same time, once we got maybe that consistency of playing on the grass and got as many home wins as we had, and you're so familiar with it was an excellent um, pitch, and when the ball is rolling like that on grass, every player wants to really play on the grass. Now the the four G or the AstroTurf was great, but. Honestly, the very first game I had at Hughes Stadium, the American football lines had my head going, what is going on? I hadn't a clue. And actually, there's probably a clip in one of the games. The ball was like, I thought it was out. And it was like a blue line. And I was going, oh, no. I'm so confused here. You know, and uh, yeah, I'm, 
for me, I'm glad we're on the grass, but for the for the fans, it would be nice to have more fans at that time. Yeah, you know, I've always been against the uh, soccer being played in any stadium that is also used for uh, American football matches. It, it, I just, I, I don't, I don't get why that's still a thing. But slowly, we're starting to uh, shy away from that and actually have soccer specific stadiums, so we don't have to deal with all that. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta say, I yeah, appreciate especially- your honesty there, Tommy. Um, <laughs> I've, I've played at that stadium just in, in like classes and the, the lines confuse me and I'm an American. So <laughs> I can only imagine it's going to be 10 times more difficult for you, my friend. I hadn't a clue. Honestly, it was mind boggling, but it's just because when things happen at speed as well, you see a line that you're not used to. And I was like, oh no, it's out or it's in. And the pitch is actually a little bit more narrow than a normal can size field. So, um, that was my excuse anyway. <laughs> so I think I'm supposed to ask one final question, Tommy. If you could give advice to 18-year-old Tommy Stewart, what would you tell him? Um, I would probably just tell, you know, Tommy Stewart, it's definitely going to fly by your career. You know, um, you don't really know that as a player until you get to the age you are now. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Um, I w- I'm, I'm happy with the challenges I've taken on board. You know, I'm very optimistic. I'm very, you know, I want to win things. I want to be successful. I want to do well. And um, I probably, the only thing I probably would have said, honestly, you know, would be to fully immerse yourself in the community quicker. Um, make sure you find the coach that's going to get the best out of you. Um, the best, you know, it's, it's, that would be something I will, I will tell other people as well is, go where you're going to be truly valued or really going to like excel because it is a shorter career than most. Um, and if you want to do well or make an impact, you know, don't lose out in any time, put the hard work in, put the graft in. I have done that, but um, certainly I would just say to myself, just do it and make sure you have no regrets when you look back. And, and, and right now I feel I have no regrets. That's, that's great advice. Uh, I think you brought the best out of us as a, a supporters group, uh, I mean, you were putting him in the back of the net for fun for a little bit there. It was it was wild. So we we really appreciate it, Tommy. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's it's been a pleasure. Yes, thanks for having me, Michael, Sean, Lewis. Thanks for having me. Very very kind of you to have me on. Great to see you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, th- thank you for for joining us. Uh, I mean, you're a part of that first squad that we'll forever remember for that championship, and you know, lots of uh, good times and good memories watching you guys uh, that first year. Thanks very much. Appreciate the kind words. And thank goodness for social media. I did see the snow and I was like, I immediately grabbed a jacket just on your behalf. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, uh, Tommy. And, you know, we hope to have you back on uh, in the future and hopefully surprising us with, uh, you know, becoming a head coach for a club either over there or maybe even back here in the States. Yes, definitely. That's, that's, that's the, the plan. Um, Hopefully, I'll be able to share some exciting news with you very, very soon. But um, in the meantime, um, trying to stay safe, the same as everybody else now, until until I can I'll cross that bridge when I come. But I'll be sure to let you know when that happens. Thank you, Luis, for and and Michael. That was a that was an excellent interview. I really appreciated being part of that. Oh yeah, and thank you again yeah, for joining us every time. And and like I said in the interview. Uh, it's uh, it's really cool to have you on, especially uh, when you're talking to some of these players that 
you, you knew very well. You helped oh, yeah. them so much. And, and just hearing them always talk about all the things that you did, even though, you know, it, it gets repetitive and whatnot. I think it's really great because it, it, it's more of a, more, more shows more of that uh, reason why, you know, you left a mark on a lot of the players during that first season and onwards too, and that they know you really well. And, and I think it's, it's cool. It's cool to have those anecdotes. And for Michael and I, it's always great to have that backseat as to like, hear all yeah. those things that went on. <laughs> well, not only that, you can see how comfortable they get when they, when they see a familiar face, like you were sharing where they're just like, Oh, okay. And then they're like, they kind of let their guard down take a breath and they're ready to go. Whereas they don't know Luis and I we're just two random fanboys hanging out in the stands, <laughs> cheering them on. Then they see you and they're like, okay, cool. Let's do this. And you've always got the little insight asking questions. So it's great. We appreciate it. Well, Hey, thanks for all of that. Not my intention. I mean, my intention is to elevate the sport just like y'all. And, you know, at the time I was, I was brought in to do a job, but I also being as old as I am and knowing that these, any of the players when they're coming in, you know, they need, um, they, they need things that aren't always like apparent to everybody else. Um, so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, well, actually I mentioned, uh, Parka, podcast magic, uh, Vijay here, uh, shout out to him. Um, I should be having it here in the next upcoming days as of this recording, of course, but he is going to be sending me uh, a jersey that he actually wore. And that jersey is going to actually have a place there in, it, in the wall back there. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you so much to uh, BJ for sending that. Uh, again, I'm going to be sharing that once I, I get it. Uh, and also, um, he's also sending me a shirt for his uh, Passback Foundation, uh, which will have more details on upcoming lives on how you can also get a shirt, how you can support his nonprofit. And I'll be wearing it too on, on future episodes as well. So please check that out and uh, you'll find out more information on that uh, in the upcoming episodes. Yeah. Any final words before here we, we end this show tonight or this morning, I should say. I just want to thank everybody. If you're watching and you enjoyed this, let us know. And if you have any questions for our upcoming uh, Jeopardy live uh, trivia game, uh, let us know if you have a special category that you want to see more of we will definitely have players as categories to see how much, how well people remember some of their teammates yeah and we just really appreciate the sport everyone um israel <laughs> thank you so much it is there's so many supporters coming out josh cohen thank you so much it's 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 been quite the experience to to do something that we're, it was just a hobby we're, we're just enjoying being fans and then making this reach like reaching out to fans all over the all over the globe it's it's an awesome amazing experience and thank you again tommy really appreciate it that, that was a great interview yeah definitely yeah I, I agree it was a great interview and yeah thank you again to everyone in israel for for so much support and and really for supporting one of our favorite goalkeepers so much and and for all the comments that they left i, I had to do some google translate because i don't know Hebrew. <laughs> me uh, too thankful for that because i found out a lot of what they were actually saying uh and and it was just amazing like all the comments right people were saying amazing goalkeeper like like they they were really fond about him and and his great uh performance which congratulations to them they won 3-0 yesterday uh and as as i'd like to say the podcast magic is also spreading to cohen as well so <laughs> hey it's 
it's working out. It's it's still doing its magic with uh, other players aside from Bishop. So really glad to to hear that as well. All right. Well, again, thank you everyone for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time uh, with our next interview. Thank you. Have a good one. Enjoy your days. <laughs>